We're going to pray and, and um, we continue to study God's Word. And God's Word is a precious and God's Word is essential and God's Word is fantastic. And God's Word contains a lot of promises. And it's great for you and me to live um, with God's Word in our hearts and it's great to claim its promises. You know when it gets difficult? To live under its authority. And that's where we're going to be going into uh, in the next few weeks with our study in Ephesians. So these ancient words um, carry authority. These, most of what you and I were talking about, the imperatives of Ephesians, um, these are not suggestions. Imperatives are commands. You and I may treat them as, in, as suggestions. God doesn't reveal himself and didn't preserve these ancient words. So you and I can treat them as suggestions. So uh, for the next few weeks, as we endeavor to talk about um, the household code of Ephesians, yeah, that's the wives submitting, the husbands leading, um, the parents not exasperating, the children obeying, the masters um, behaving correctly, the, the, uh, the slaves, which would be the equivalent of employees, uh, serving and living and, and, and working as unto the Lord. That's a household code in Ephesians, but it's all predicated on the authority of God's Word and the fullness of the Spirit. And we'll get to that in just a few moments. But I want to forewarn you that what we, what we have ahead of us is this difficult task to live under the authority of God's Word. And God's Word is beautiful and great until it puts His finger on, on us and says, this is what I expect of you. So I want us to go to the Lord and prepare our hearts, not only for today, but for every day. As you dig into God's Word and you find out what His will is for you through His Word, He's gone out of His way to reveal Himself. He's not playing hide and seek. This is not the God of, of pagan religions that you have to find. God has gone out of His way through creation and conscience to let you know that there is a God to manifest His power and His presence. And then through specific revelation, special revelation. He's gone out of his way so you and I can have the written word that points us to the living word. So God has gone out of his way to make it. He's preserved it. He, he, uh, he inspires it. He protects it. And you and I have it before us. So let me just remind you that all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And though this was written to a man of God, the principles of God's God-breathed word applies to you and me. It has a purpose. Sometimes it's not easy to live under that authority. But it doesn't mean that it's impossible or wrong. It's right. So would you join me as you, uh, you would close your eyes for just a moment? And um, though it will be silent, just pray as unto the Lord. And prepare that as we hear and we talk about these ancient words, this ancient text, that it would still carry the authority that it has right into our lives. And Lord, we come before you thanking you for this time, thanking you for your word. Thank you for the gift of, of this God-breathed word. Help us now as we, we go to it in just a few moments uh, to see it for what it is. Uh, we ask that you would uh, speak to us, that you would help us understand it, that you would apply it to our lives, and that we would, uh, we would uh, be humble enough to, um, to do what it says. Uh, Lord God, thank you. We love you. We thank you for this, these ancient words. May they continue to speak to us even this morning. In Jesus' name, God's people said... Right, remain seated. Uh, the praise team is going to sing a, a familiar hymn that we've sung here a bunch of times, ancient words. And while you hear it, um, you may want to continue to just go to the Lord in, in prayer, or you may want to join in somewhere down the line, but you can remain seated, enjoy this music, this offering, and um, may the Lord be pleased through it.
Go ahead. Uh, Kids Church, you are now dismissed from this part of the building. Next door, if you're in K through 5. Not if you wish you were in K through 5, but you are in kindergarten through 5th grade. We provide uh, Kids Church during this time. Uh, just sign them in and make sure you sign them out. We also have preschool, so we, um, you're more than welcome to enjoy those ministries. And don't forget to thank uh, those who are serving us by serving our own. For the rest of us, we go to these ancient words, this ancient text, God's revealed word, and we go to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. I'm going to read it. You're going to follow along. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 21. And it reads, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Stop there. The question would be, what is the difference between living the Christian life in one's own power, in your own power, or in the fullness of the Spirit? What, what would be the difference? If you were to answer that, I don't need you to answer it out loud. Answer it in your mind. If I was to say, hey, listen, explain to me the difference. Uh, what's the difference between living the Christian life in your own power versus living the Christian life in the fullness of the Spirit? Uh, there's some obvious answers. Uh, our power is limited. Our vision is short-sighted. Our boldness is weak most times. Uh, and our steadfastness wavers. That's the reality. Uh, you and I tend to, um, tend to live out our Christian life sometimes very, very uh, um, uh, inconsistent. And that's, that's what happens. Uh, and then this is why we need the Spirit to fill us. But here's the catch. When we talk about the filling of the Spirit, that's controversial. That can be divisive. That can be um, misunderstood. Um, most people don't understand it. In fact, if you were to ask a Christian what it means to be filled with the Spirit, you may receive any, any type of answer from, from ignorance to fanatism. Okay, you can go run from the, I really don't know and I need to know to fanatic stuff and um, it, doesn't, it doesn't help. 
And why is there so much confusion when it comes to this teaching um, of the Spirit filling? Well, two reasons come to mind. No teaching and wrong teaching. There's no teaching. Sometimes you just don't hear about it. The, 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 the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the forgotten member of the Trinity. Uh, or there's wrong teaching, and uh, they, they'll say that you need more of the Spirit. That's why, uh, you know, you, it's the filling. Well, listen, the reality is that uh, the filling of the Spirit has nothing to do with getting more of it. You have what you have at the moment of salvation. The filling of the Spirit has to do more with the Spirit getting more of you and me than you and I getting more of, of, of Him the, the, when you and I trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in our lives uh, permanently, completely, uh, and immediately. But there is a difference between being indwelt by the Spirit and being filled by the Spirit. It's a tragedy for people to, to live and die and end in a conscious place of torment that the Bible describes as hell or the lake of fire uh, because they haven't trusted in Christ. It's also tragic when a Christian lives and dies, goes to heaven, and doesn't experience the fullness of the Spirit. It's like you and me buying a car, and because we don't know how to turn it on, we stick it in neutral and we push it around. Kind of absurd, right? This is where my props come in, okay? That's why I needed them. Let me, let me put it this way. Hey, and don't tell my wife I'm doing some vacuuming, all right? See, you can, you can serve the Lord... In your, own, in your own power. And you can keep on serving, and there's your own power. But you know what happens with that? Eventually, it gets tiring. Eventually, you don't like to do it, or you do it wrongly. Take it from me. I stepped away from ministry for two years because I got dried out. Because I did not give um, attention to my life in the Spirit, my growing in the Lord through the power of the Spirit. I had to step out. Some of you were here when I was here, and I did that. Others are not. Now you know. But you, you do this long enough in your own power, and it's, you will not survive. Because the life in Christ is not meant to be lived in the power of the flesh. Because sooner or later, guilt will come in, you'll do things that you're not proud of, and all of a sudden, it's time for a break, and you need to, you need to refocus. But also as a Christian, you can be connected to the power and still do the same thing. Well, yeah, you, you have connection, but you haven't made the connection. You haven't been filled with the Spirit that helps you do what you need to do. Big difference. Believe you me. Oh, did I, did I just disconnect? No. Okay. All right. Big difference. I have vacuumed this building. I know exactly how long it takes to vacuum this building. All right? Because one of the things we try to model is you don't ask people to do something you haven't done yourself. So if I were to ever approach you and say, hey, man, can you help me with this? Rest assured that most of the time, what I'm asking, I've done, all right? I accept changing diapers. I stopped doing that a long, long time ago. That's, uh, parenting is for the young people, all right? Um, but I would have been a completely different experience if I continue to do this all around this building. And let me tell you, this building, it'll take a little while, about an hour or so, all right? And you're doing this, and you're doing it right, and you come up here, and nothing's happening, you're connected, but it's not flowing. Now, you hit the switch. Now it's working. Now it's working. See, this is what we want to talk about. Hitting that switch, positioning yourself in such a way in your relationship with the Lord that the person and the power of, of, of the Spirit enables you and fuels your obedience, fuels your service to Christ. This is why most of the time you and I, are, are, we're, we're drying. Because we don't even know what the filling of the Spirit is and how to achieve it. And if we do, we may have heard some wrong teaching on it. So that's the goal for this, for this morning. Here's the thought. It'll be on the screen. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we might live in His fullness as we live out the Christian life. It's a gift that, that we receive. Christians who long for a deeper spiritual life, a deeper walk with the Lord, turn to Ephesians 5.18 for help, for understanding. After all... God wants you and me to experience the fullness. In chapter 1 and verse 13, he says that on the, uh, at the moment that you and I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he grants us, he seals us with the Spirit. Remember that back in Ephesians 1.13? Seal means ownership. One of the things it means is ownership. And because we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, because you and I belong to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord through Jesus Christ, 
We behave in certain way so we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And in there it says, don't grieve the Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Because there's, a, there's the reality of Jesus Christ, the reality of God living in my life through the person of, of the Holy Spirit, I have a, 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 a responsibility to live in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. John MacArthur is right. He provides good insight. It'll be on the screen there. Being controlled by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for living the Christian life by God's standards. God's way cannot be properly understood or faithfully followed apart from the working of the Spirit in the life of a believer. It's necessary. It's necessary. If you're going to be, if I'm going to be devoted, growing, and fruitful Christian, I need to understand what the filling of the Spirit is and what what I'm all about, what the Lord expects of me, and how the Lord provides that which He commands. Because there's a command there, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But the beauty of God, He doesn't set you up to fail. He doesn't set me up to fail. That which He commands, He also provides. So, so let's dig in. Just a few things I want you to see with me. Number one, the contrast in verse 18. One is not the other. One is not the other. I'm going to read it. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Stop there. The verse begins with a prohibition against drunkenness. Literally, stop getting drunk with wine. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Christians should not get drunk. But that's not the point necessarily of the passage. The passage, yes, it says something about getting drunk versus being filled. And that's the, the, the key here goes much deeper. The prohibition against drunkenness is a contrast against being filled with the Spirit. He's not making so much a, a case for, 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 for one or the other. He's just saying, listen, here's a contrast. Here's a contrast. There's not equality. Spirit filling is not spiritual intoxication. As you may have seen on, on TV or through someone's ministry, that when they, 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 they saw they're filled with the Spirit and they're acting like if they were drunk. That's not the point here. Yes, when you're drunk, you're under the influence. Yes, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're, un- you're under the influence. But the realities are antithetical. What it produces is completely opposite from one another. One is not the other. When you're drunk, when you're under the, the influence of alcohol, you lose, you tend to lose control. Inhibitions stop, and that's why when people, it's all fun and games until wine gets in there, a little bit of tequila, and then watch out. And then all of a sudden, you, you find yourself with a tattoo you never knew you had. It's a loss of control. On the contrary, being filled with the Spirit leads to self-control. Because Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 says that those who walk in the Spirit are filled with the Spirit. They produce Christ-likeness, which is seen in the fruit of the Spirit. And one part, aspect of that fruit is self-control. You show me a person who's depending on the Holy Spirit and, and demonstrating self-control as a fruit, that person is being filled by the Spirit. You show me a person that says, I am full of the Spirit, but is a wreck and can't control themselves, their mouth or their deeds, they're not full of the Spirit. It's one is not the other. And it says here, don't get drunk because that's debauchery. Okay, Kisa, what's debauchery? Good, at least you're honest. Turn to, turn to uh, Christina and just say, hey, Christina, what's debauchery? She's like, no. she don't know either? Okay, all right. All right, let me see. Here. Hey, Michelle, what, what was debauchery? That one right there. The one in red. The woman in red. You don't know? Okay. Let me see. Paul, what's debauchery? Oh, come on, go to South Beach and find out. All right, let me see. All right, who, who wants it? Oh, you're, you're volunteering your husband? Eddie, what's debauchery? Yeah, yeah, like South Beach pretty much, yeah. Revelry, revelry. It's, it's this, this, this reckless actions. Dissipation, your Bible translation may. It's, 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 it, the, 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 the word points to a wasted life. A wasted life. Don't be drunk with the wine. That leads to debauchery. You see, you need to understand Ephesus was a center of pagan worship and ritual. In order to 
to commune with the god of wine. Do you know who the god of wine is in Greek mythology or Roman mythology? Bacchus, right? Bacchus. Well, the way you would, you would commune with Bacchus is you would get drunk and then it would be sexual immorality would happen. And as you communed that way, you would then, you would then learn how to, you would learn the, the, the will of Bacchus, and you can do then the will of Bacchus. But it was through immorality. It was through living in darkness. It was through that. So he says, you don't do that. The contrast is to, 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 to know, to love, and to live, and serve the God of heaven. You're filled with the Spirit, not with something that forces you out of control. You need someone that keeps you in control. That's what he's after here. He's comparing it. That's why it's a contrast. With the God of heaven, you don't need to get drunk. With wine, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And you can then serve and Him faithfully and, and, and through moral living. So the first thing I want you to remember in verse 18 is there's a contrast, and they're not the same. So please reject the teaching that will come to you, whether through me or through any other pastor or through a, or any me, means of communication that says that spiritual intoxication is what he's after. No, 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 no. On the contrary, it's not getting drunk in the Spirit. It's being controlled. The contrast. One is not the other. Number two, the call to be spirit-filled. It's not a suggestion. Verse 18 again. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Underline be filled in your Bible or in your neighbor's Bible. Make a friend. All right? Something that is filled does not have room for anything else. Soon, you and I will eat, and we'll say, I'm full, until dessert comes. Because you know there's always space for dessert. We sort of like push everything down. And we, but then after dessert, we're like, food coma. <sighs> Calorie overload system is shutting down. Right? Well, we're full. We can't, there's no more space. That's the idea here. On the screen, to be filled with something is for that thing to be the dominating presence, controlling influence, or driving force of your life. You see it in the New Testament. You see in the New Testament, uh, in Luke 2.40, says that Jesus was filled with wisdom. Luke chapter 4, it says that as Jesus is preaching in, in the synagogue in Nazareth, they don't like what they're, he's, they're hearing, so they were filled with wrath. Acts 13.45, Paul's opponents were filled with jealousy. You, you get the point? It's, there's, there's no room for anything other. 2 Corinthians 7, 4, Paul claims to be filled with comfort. 2 Timothy 1, chapter 4, Paul says he's filled with joy. And the, the word picture, the idea, is that when the filling comes, there's no more space for anything other. It's dominating. It's dominating. I am full. I've had breakfast sometimes. And man, I, got, I overdid it. I'm gonna just, let me just confess. I overdid it. And it's dinner time. I'm like... I'm still being dominated by breakfast because I'm still full. I don't have space for food. I don't even want to talk about it. I just need a treadmill and five miles or something, you know, or a five-mile walk, all right, because that's, I need to get, get rid of that so I can then refill the, my body. Pastor H.B. Charles says the following. It'll be on the screen. The Lord has not given the Spirit to merely reside in your life. The Holy Spirit should preside over your life. And he's right. This is what we're after. And because there's confusion regarding this filling of the Spirit, let, let, me, let me just give you a few thoughts, okay? A few thoughts. All right, if you have your, your notes, you can fill in accordingly. Number one, the fullness of the Spirit is a command, not a suggestion. It's not saying, hey, listen, Desivek, if you feel good, and you know, and the day doesn't end in why, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, okay? And the day, you know, if you choose to have that day, go ahead and be filled. With, no! Be filled! It's, a, it's an imperative. Be filled. And this is not a command for those who are without Christ. You cannot be filled of that who's no, no, not in you. So, you can, so don't sit here. If you haven't trusted in Christ, then pursue the filling of the Spirit as that, that's going to be the turning point. You can't. The Spirit needs to reside in you before it can preside over you. 
So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a command, not a suggestion. And that's part of the tragedy sometimes when you hear people talking about, and it's like, get, get filled with the Holy Spirit. You need, And they're talking so much about the Spirit that they forget the foundation for life in the Spirit is the gospel. We begin with Jesus Christ, the one who died, the one who resurrected, the, the one who's the conqueror of death and sin and Satan, the one who's alone, the Savior of those who believe in Him. We don't start with the Spirit to end with Jesus. We start with Jesus. So it's a command, not not a suggestion. Number two, the fullness of the Spirit is for everyone, not just a few. It's for everyone. Okay, it's the Spirit-filled life is all-inclusive. It's not for the spiritual one-percenters. The spiritual elites, no, that's for, for everyone. It's not just for a denomination or for you and me or for church leaders or for those who give this level of giving, or that level of giving, or those who are involved in this outreach, or that outreach, if they're singing here, or they're taking care of the kids. No, the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit is available to everyone. It's for everyone. In fact, you're going to see it in just a, in the coming weeks, but if you read chapters 5, 22, and following through 6, 9, listen, you, you, you need the Spirit. You know why, why you and I balk so much at, at, the, at the imperatives that we find in 5, 22 through 6, 9? Because we're not walking in the Spirit. We, we, we don't want it because in order for these imperatives, this household code, as it's called, of wives and their relationship to the husband, the husbands, their relationship to the wives, the parents, their relationship to the children, the children, their relationship to, to their parents, the employees and, 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 and employers, their relationship to one another. You know what, what, what's, what's the key there? The filling of the Spirit. When there's no filling of the Spirit, you're not going to want to do it. Just to give you a preview, when we get to 22 and it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. You know, that's a great command with a bad reputation. I told that to, to Johnny not too long ago. And that's going to be the title of my message. A good command. It is a good and godly command. You know why? Because it's good because it comes from God and it's godly because it comes from God. But it just has a bad reputation. And you know it. I know it. The minute I say it, I say, wives, submit. You almost need like a breath mint. I said, submit. How dare I? That's a dirty word. I'll get into that a little bit more when we get there. I may have just a little bar of some breath mints. But the reality is that we, 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 we buck, we buck, and we misunderstand and we misapply these because the filling of the Spirit, the walking in the Spirit, the control of the Spirit is what's the key. And you're going to see that. The fullness of the Spirit, number three, is repeated, not permanent. The filling... Is not a second work of grace that sanctifies you once and for all. And when you get the filling of the Spirit, and you'll never sin again. No, 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 no. It comes and goes. The fullness of the Spirit is not a one-time or two-time or 20-time event. The challenge is to pursue it each and every day. It's to pursue it, to be filled. Next is the fullness of the Spirit is not a boost to help you out when your strength is not quite up to the job. You know, I put there the, the STP, gas treatment. You know, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a little weak. I'm feeling, a, you know, I just need a little, I need a boost. It's like un cafecito at 2 p.m., you know what I mean? I need a boost. Uh, I need that Cuban coffee, that, uh, that you know, at, at 2 p.m., boom. No, 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 that's not for that. You see, the fullness is, 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 is not, is your fuel. You don't get it so you can just behave better or act better or perform better. No, it is your fuel. Next, the fullness of the Spirit is not commensurate with your strength. Actually, the fullness is commensurate with your weakness. If you're too full of yourself, you have no need for the fullness of the Spirit. You find me a person that's boasting, that's arrogant, that's proud. Oh, they may not come across this, but their speech will say it. Their demeanor will say it. Well, that person's not filled with the Spirit. It can't be. Because the Spirit is the one that, that enables us to, to live for Christ because of our weakness, not because of our strength. The fullness of the Spirit next is not for personal indulgence or personal happiness. This is not, hey, I want to get filled so I can, you know, do my own thing. So that's, that's, pers- that's, that's very selfish. It's not for that. Uh, the, the fullness enables you and me to live as Christians, as, as witnesses to, uh, to the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. The fullness of the Spirit next is not something that you get because of your works. So work harder and act better with better morals and the Spirit will fill you. No. Because then who gets the glory? 
If you get the glory, that's not from the Spirit. The Spirit gives God the glory, points to Jesus Christ. And you and I, as we're filled with the Spirit, it's not so we can work harder and be more, a little more moral. No, no, no. No, it's, it's listen, it's, it's the day-by-day, walk-by-faith that rests upon the, the complete work of Jesus Christ on behalf of you and me. So I trust Him for that. And lastly, the fullness of the Spirit is received, not performed. And, and that comes right from the text because even the verb, be filled, gives you the, in, the, the, the inference that is something that you receive, not that you earn. It's a command, yes. But it's the Spirit filling is the work of God, not man. Listen, I can look to you and go, Ronnie, love Maria. That's a command. Now, you can say, nah. But I can't look at Maria and go, Maria, be loved. She can't do that. It's, she needs someone to love her. And there is someone who loves her, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit of Christ wants to fill her. But I, it, this is this, if I say, love one another, that's a command. But be loved, you can't. It's something that's passive. You need to receive it. That's the idea. Be filled. Why? Because God is, is you don't have to beg the Spirit to be filled. You don't have to perform. No, no, it's something that's received. It is a present tense, ongoing, and it's a, it's a, it's a passive voice, or it's a passive a verb that says you're, you're going to be receiving something from the Lord, but you need to anyway pursue it because you're weak, because you can't do it on your own, because it's a work of God in your life. You need to receive that work of God, but you need to pursue it also, knowing that you can't earn it, but you can receive it from the Lord. One, one Bible commentator puts it this way, to be filled with the Spirit means to be constantly controlled by the Spirit in our minds, emotions, and will. That's the what. Now, how about the how? How about the how? Look, look, look at verses there, in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Ask the question, how? See, that's the next thing we need to take a look at. The means to be Spirit-filled. No shortcuts allowed. How? How? You, Lord, you're commanding me. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. How, how do I do this? How do I experience this? What's the means? Well, listen, keep the context in mind, number one. Keep the context in mind. Just start back to chapter 4, okay? You know, it says, walk worthy of the calling you have been called with humility, with gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love. As you and I are doing that, as you and I in verse 3 are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, we're, 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 we're procuring that, we're, we're seeing that in action, okay? We're, we're contributing to the proper working of the body for growth. Uh, you see that later on in chapter 4. Uh, we, we have, we have, we're not grieving the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not coddling sin. In, in you living for the Lord, you find yourself being controlled by the Spirit. Therefore, you're, you're filled by the Spirit with the Spirit. So contextually, it says it right there. Just, you know, verse, chapter 5, verse 1, you're imitating God as a beloved children. You're walking in love. You're you're forsaking sexual immorality. You're you're not going to become partners with them. You were in darkness. You were in light. You're you're not going to be that. You're going to be looking carefully, verse 15, how I walk, how I live, not as unwise, but as wise. I'm going to be taking a look. I'm going to see what's what's going on. Why? Because the the, the God that's in me, that rescued me through Jesus Christ is, is indicating how to live. That indication comes through the leading of the Spirit of God. So you see, it comes right from, from the, the, con- the context of it all. But even more, there's a practical way of, of being filled with the Spirit. And that's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It'll be on the screen. This is what you need to mark. Because there's the parallel, the parallel says it all. The parallel between Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, and Colossians 3, 16, okay, says it all. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Note the familiar words in 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Three, Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's the consequence of each one? About the same. About the same. And that's the key. And that's the key. You see, the, the, the reality is let the Word of Christ dwell richly in your life. 
when the Word of God dwells richly in your life, again, Ephesians chapter 5, 22, through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, takes on a new dimension. I want to be obedient. I want to experience the fullness of the, of the Spirit. I want to be guided by the Spirit. I want to live in the Spirit. Other translations say, keep, I want to keep in step with the Spirit. Well, the Word of God has to prevail in your life. It has to be a priority. Because, after all, how does God reveal Himself through His Word? What does the Spirit of God use to guide me, to fill me, to control me? The Word. That's what you and I need to understand. Even in Ephesians chapter 6, we, we enter the, the, the part of, of our spiritual warfare. In verse 17, it says that we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But if the Word of God is not in you, what can the Spirit of God use then? If you and I are not having a steady intake of God's Word, how can then God guide you through His Spirit? How can He fill you to the point that you understand what the will of God is, and therefore you can do the will of God in this situation or in that one? How can He then guide you if you do not? How can He fight the spiritual darkness that will come against you if you don't hand Him a, spirit, a sword? You don't know the Word. That's why you and I need to have a steady intake of God's Word, which then the Spirit uses to help us out. You see, to be Spirit-filled is to be Word-filled. A Word-filled Christian is a Spirit-filled Christian. That's what I want you to take. Ha, Louis, Louis Pastor, yo, dude. <laughs> that, was, that was Hialeah for, yeah, that's right, okay. Dude, how, how, how do I walk in the Spirit? Get into the Word. Let the Word get into you. Because through the Word is what the Spirit uses to guide you. How do I know how to behave in this situation? How do I know how to relate to my spouse? How do I know how to relate to my kids? How do I know how to relate to my boss? How do I know to relate to my, my employees? No one's exempt. Whether you're an employee or an employer, whether you're, you're a, a subordinate or you're a manager, you should be known for something. And the spirit-filled manager, spirit-filled employee should be different, should behave different than a non-spirit-filled manager, non-spirit-filled employee, non-spirit-filled spouse, parent. You, you understand what I'm saying. The Word of God, it helps you on the screen just to see if this works for you a little bit. The Word of God in the heart and mind is the handle by which the Spirit, of, Spirit turns the will. To be filled with the Spirit is to live with the Word of God permeating every area of life so that those areas of life are yielding to the Spirit's control. There's a, there's a, there's a, a beautiful relationship between the, the, the Word and the Spirit. The Word is what the Spirit uses to remind you who you are, whose you are, how you should behave. How else would the Spirit of God, what, what's He going to use? A neon sign somewhere? One of these planes out of, uh, you know, out of the airport over here with a banner? No. The Spirit that resides in you takes the Word that's in you and says, Hey, Sam, this is how you're going to love your wife. Hey, hey Megan, this is how you're going to support your husband. Hey, when you go to work tomorrow, you know, that place... This is how you're going to behave. Because, Sam, you, you belong to me, and I want you to behave in a certain way so there will be a difference. And when they ask you about that difference, you have the answer. You're not going to be any other old sailor. You might be a cussing like a sailor, but I don't want you to cuss, cuss, cuss like a sailor. You know what I mean? So the reality is that you and I are going to live differently. And the Spirit of God enables us to do that. The Word of God is what, the, is what the Spirit of God uses to turn the will. Again, on the screen, as you and I let the Word richly dwell within us, Colossians chapter 3, we come to understand the will of God, Ephesians chapter 5. The Holy Spirit applies God's truth to our hearts, and as we yield to it, allowing ourselves to be governed by it, the filling of the Spirit, 5.18, we experience the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, peace, love, joy, um, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the, that's the interrelationship between the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the fruit of the Spirit. You don't get to the fruit without the Word of God on this side. You don't get to the, to the fruit without the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and producing it in you. That's why you and I, under the severe distress, when, things, when life really stinks, when, when the darkness of the soul is upon us, all of a sudden we, we find this inner strength. Where's that inner strength coming from? The Spirit of God. And what does He remind you? Of all the Bible that you've been intaking and the character of the God that's sustaining you through the darkness of the soul. You cannot expect, I cannot expect... 
to be successful and to, and, to, and to navigate the pain that this life brings into our lives without a steady diet of God's Word in me that then the Spirit of God says and says, hey, remember who you are, whose you are. So the contrast, the call, the means. And lastly, what are the consequences or the marks of the spiritual life? You know, because we say it all the time, decisions have consequences. Well, take a look at it from, right from the text. There's, there's four. Verse 4, verses 19 through 21, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks uh, always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. Let me just give you the four, and then we'll go little by little. You address one another, you sing, you give thanks, you submit. Those are marks. Those are consequences of being filled. So let's go one by one. Speaking, talk that edifies. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Addressing one another. What, 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 what does this mean? Do we have to stop talking like this and all of a sudden it's like, hey, how you doing? How's it going? My name is Lewis. What's yours? You know, we start chanting, you know. Um, I am Lewis and I'm the pastor. I welcome you to this church. I hope you are very happy. No. All of a sudden it becomes an opera. That's what it means. First of all, you've got to address one another. Listen, the content of our conversation matters to the Lord. The content of our conversation matters to the Lord. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spirits. What is that all about? It means that in the, in the early church, that's where God's truth was found. So, so our conversations need to become a little more Bible-saturated, perhaps. Perhaps we just stay up here and we just talk about the, you know, those amazing dolphins. Can't talk about the Steelers. They're like, okay. Well, you got the, the dolphins. Who do they play today? I bet you somebody knows. Cleveland. Cleveland. Yep, there it is. What are they, 6-3? and three? Yeah, 6-3. and three. I know it. Our conversations need to go beyond that. We're not going to talk about the canes, hurricanes. We're going to just leave that alone in a second. All right? But we got to go beyond that. And when we're talking with one another, there needs to be a little more, 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 more Bible saturation. Hey, hey, Jerome, how's it going? What's going on with you? What, what's going on with you in your life? And, but we need to, to, in order to speak that with one another, we got to get to know one another. I can't just all of a sudden parachute into, into Jerome's life and go, yo, bro, what's up? Hey, tell me, what's your struggle with sin? He's going to look at me and go, hey, you, get out. But as we are dealing with one another, which is a presupposition of chapters 4 and 5 up to this point, we're dealing with one another. We're getting to know one another because we're one. And because of that, we start having conversations. And yes, the combos can be as, hey, what are you going to do for Christmas? But at the same time as, hey, how's it going? And especially between men and between women, women with women and men with men. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Hey, because we get to know each other. How's, how's, how's that going on? Hey, how's, how's business? How, how's your walk with the Lord? And I'll say, if you're, if you're transparent, you go, man, it's, some days are good, some days are bad. Good, at least you're being honest. Hey, how's the marriage? Some days are good, some days are bad. Good, you're being honest. How's your pursuit of holiness in your, in your marriage? How's your pursuit of righteousness? How are you treating your wife? After all, remember, man, this crazy Cuban guy from a pulpit said the other day that the Bible says it commands us to love our wives. It doesn't say to the wife to command to love his, her husband, by the way, in Ephesians 5. But it does tell the husband, hey, you love her, and you love her enough to die for her. We, we make a big deal about the wife's submission, but boy, let me tell you, the heavy we're lifting is on the man. Sometimes I hear this, oh no, we just pick on women. Yeah, okay. Tell that to the Lord to spend about five verses on the guys and one verse on the girl. He's the head of the home. Yeah, sometimes I'm the headache of the home too. So, see, this is how it happens. This is how it happens. We speak to one another. And our interactions need to go beyond this, 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 this uh, top little level here, and superficial. Get into, the, into it, but we need to trust one another. We need to love one another. We have to have redemptive conversations. So there's, there's speaking. There's also singing. A heart that worships. Okay? Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Listen, our worship, it, you, it should be spirit-filled. You walk in through those doors, you sing unto the Lord because you're singing unto the Lord. Nobody here is judging you and you have a good voice or a bad voice. 
Listen, they can have much better voices up here than you, but if they're not walking good with the Lord, they sound horrible to the Lord. Well, you can't carry a tune, and all you know is la, 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 la. But because you're walking with the Lord, and you're serving the Lord, and you're filled with the Lord, you sound beautiful to the Lord. So that's the beauty. You're singing, you're making melody unto the Lord. The phrase reminds us that worship is not mechanical production of just moving lips and, and eyes closed and hands raised. No, no, no. The, the, the audience of one is what needs to prevail. The singing. You know what's my favorite part of this worship service? Hearing you sing. Not hearing them sing, even though I do enjoy it. But most of them can sing really good. They can carry a tune on their own. But when, you, when I sit here and I just, or I stand in the back and I don't sing, I just like to hear. What, what I enjoy is to hear the people of God singing unto the Lord. It's okay. Make a joyful noise. I'm right there with you. My noise may sound a little better. My noise will probably sound a little worse. But that's what I want to hear on a Sunday morning. And I have to believe that the Lord would want that too. Because He doesn't gather us so we can just be passive and we're like going to a concert. No, we gather and we enter His courts with praise. We enter His courts with thanksgiving. We sing unto the Lord. There's a singing that happens. The praise that springs from our heart makes it unto our lips. There's a thanking Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is another outflow, a natural outflow of hearts being renewed by God's grace, of being filled with the Spirit, of the Spirit leading you. A grumbling spirit is not compatible with the Holy Spirit. Okay? You find yourself always grumbling, you're not filled by the Spirit. You're not being led by the Spirit. You're not being, you know, you're not in the Spirit. A grumbling spirit does not, is not compatible with the Holy Spirit. In fact, that was one of the besetting sins for Israel in the Old Testament, just grumbling all the time. Just read the book of Numbers. It's just, they didn't know, and they grumbled, and they grumbled. I want food. Oh, now you want food. Now I want meat. Oh, I got too much meat. I want this. Oh, gosh. And the Lord was patient, like He is patient with you and me when we grumble unnecessarily. But these words in verse 20, if we don't properly understand them, we will incorrectly apply them. What do you mean, give thanks always and for everything? What do you mean? Give thanks for everything. Listen, they've been taken and they've caused a lot of harm to many believers. You've got to just give thanks to the Lord. But this tragedy just happened. you just got to give thanks to the Lord. What do you mean by that? My wife just died. My, my kid just got... By a dude. My, my, what do you mean I got to give thanks for everything? Let, 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 me, let me help you with what helped me preparing for, for this morning. A couple of guys. Let me read what they say. The words for everything have been interpreted without reference to God's character or the absurdity of thanking God for something he loathes. The false reasoning is that for everything means literally for everything regardless of how evil it is. Some have taken what they call unconditional praise to be the key to spiritual victory. Thus, they praise God for, God for a spouse's adultery, a daughter's rape, a child's death, a church split, a fellow Christian's fall. True, we praise God for being God in the midst of these miseries and for being able to bring good out of evil. But that's praising God for being God. It is not praising Him for evil. God hates evil. And we cannot praise or thank Him for that which He hates. Did that provide a little bit of clarity? When you hear, uh, usually in Thanksgiving, uh, be thankful. In all things, be thankful. What do you mean? This other guy writes, How can we always give thanks for everything? We easily understand how and why we should express godly gratitude for the blessings in our lives. But apparent blessings are not the only things that enter our lives. Are we to give thanks for murder and abuse, for cruelty and hate? Despite the contrary insistence of some well-meaning commentators and churches, the answer must be no. We cannot speak with God's Spirit and at the same time praise Him for what He hates. Yes, this is important here. The extent of our praise is to be expansive, always and for everything. But there's a context for this thanksgiving. It is to be in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are filled with 
the Spirit when we praise God for everything that hallows and magnifies the name of our Savior. On the screen behind me, to the extent that that tragedy makes us dependent on our Lord and enables others to see His comfort and seek His eternal promises, we can give thanks. As stars shine brighter in the desert and a diamond is more beautiful in black velvet, so the name of our Savior, His glory, honor, and redemption beacons more brightly and intensely in the darkness of the world. We give thanks for the darkness that makes the glory of Christ's name more evident. The thanksgiving, however, is not for the horrors of a fallen world, but for the name of the Savior that alone can answer and redeem those horrors. See, that's true. That's balanced. That's biblical thanksgiving. And you and I need to, especially as we go into Thanksgiving weekend, that's where we can be grateful. And listen, there's parts of our lives, we may be having aging parents, we may be suffering physically, we may be, life might not be too much to give thanks for, but we can, not because of the evil, not because of the fallen world, but because of a God that props us up through the ministry of His Spirit because of His Son. That's Thanksgiving. And that's being filled with the Spirit. You dress one another. There's talk that, 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 that edifies. There's a singing. There's a song in my soul. And when I gather with God's people, I just want to let it out. That's why, see, worship is not something you, you just, you know, there's that song a while back, I'm going to get my worship on. You just don't turn it on and off. You walk in with expectations already. Your, your, your heart begins to worship and prepare for corporate worship Saturday. That's why I tell you time and time again, protect your Saturdays, protect your Saturday nights, protect the time you go to sleep. And listen, I'm looking, I'm, I'm a sinner just like you, because if I'm not careful, I'm like one in the morning, two in the morning. Is that sinful? No, unless it impedes me to, give, uh, to offer the Lord the best on the Lord's day. Because I'm not living for myself, I'm living for the Lord. And if I'm going to gather with Him, I'm going to make sure I bring Him the best, because He makes a big deal about bringing Him the best. So I protect my Saturdays. I protect what I do on Saturday nights. There's a singing, there's a thanking, there's a thanking. And lastly, there's a submitting, there's an attitude of service. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the end of 15, of 18 through 21, okay? You get drunk, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And it ends with, you submit Submitting to one another. Submitting to one another. The word submit is a military term. It's to fall under. It's to rank. If you've been in the military, my boys are in the military, when they know how to submit. It's a, military, it's a military term. They rank under. It's a willful. Spirit-filled people are unselfish people who know how to submit to one another. And it's out of reverence for Christ. See, you want to see the key to submission? On the screen there. The key to submission is profound reverent submission to Christ. But I don't want to submit to my husband. What? You don't want to submit to Christ? I don't want to love my wife like I should love her and lead her and die for her if it caused, that's what it caused me. Then you're not submitting to Christ. But I don't want to obey my, 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 my mom and dad. You're not submitting to Christ. But I don't want to parent in such a way that I don't exasperate my child. You're not submitting to Christ. But I don't want to be that employee there. I always get the bad end of the stick. Everybody plays the game, and I get the bad end of the stick. I'm not going to submit anymore. I'm going to be that person in the office back when I go tomorrow. My place of employment. You're not submitting to Christ. If you're, you're the person in charge... I'm going to let them know who's boss. <laughs> Tell you what. I'm going to put them in their place. <sighs> They'll know. You're not submitting to Christ. You see, our ultimate model of submission was the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal Son of God, God in the flesh, took an apron and, and He washed the disciples' feet. And He said in John 13, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, the servant is no greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Child of God, you want to wrestle with submission? You wrestle with your submission to Christ first and foremost. And you'll have a problem with that if you're not walking in the Spirit, being filled by the Spirit. Because you won't want to do it. It's bad enough that it goes against our nature. And then, if we find the wrong examples of people we have to submit to, then all of a sudden we add insult to injury, and there's no way I'm going to do it. 
But when the Spirit fills you, you know that first and foremost, that submission is out of reverence for Christ. Because Christ says, this is how I want my people to behave in these relationships. They need to be different. Now, what that means, we'll get to. We'll get to. So don't miss it. What I'm going to preach on next week, I'm divided. I don't know if I start with the women according to the text or go to the guys. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm probably going to just follow the text. I don't know. I was going to ask you guys to vote. I, no voting here. I'll figure it out. The men first. Now you just guaranteed I'm going to the women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Hialeah. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, her name is Tanya. If you're listening and you're watching, that's uh, Tanya from Hialeah. So... Um, the principle of mutual submission sets the stage for the remainder of chapter 5 and into chapter 6. One Bible commentator writes, As we minister in His name, it's on the screen, submitting to one another, not out of anyone's deserving, out of reverence for Christ, then we are filled with His Spirit, and, and so is the marriage or the home or the workplace or the church in which such submitting occurs. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. If you have a problem with submitting, use the, use the phrase follow the lead. Because let me tell you, if you have a problem submitting one way or another, you're, gonna, you're not going to follow the lead. So it's not the word. It's the concept. It's the concept. And the Bible says the concept comes from, from God-ordained relationships, God-ordained structures. They're not debatable. I mean, I... I, I, I take consideration. Let me just parent-child. Listen, I take consideration my kids, but they don't tell me what to do. I, I'm not called to submit to them. I'm, I'm called to parent them. Now, I'm going to parent them wisely, and we'll get to that when we talk about Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. But, but I'm not going to say, whoa, hold on. Um, 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 Andy, do you want to go to to, to, to school today because you've been having a hard time. You, you're scoring an F on every class. So, but I want to submit to your to what you like and what what's convenient for you. Now, when I made a mistake and I parented Andy the wrong way, yes, I own up to that, and that's part part, part of parenting. So you don't exasperate your child. Hey, Andy, I blew it, brother. I blew it, son. I went too hard. I said the wrong thing. I messed up. I didn't do... Okay, that's not submitting to him. That's owning up to sin, which is what I want him to do. But I digress. Can you, can you tell it's already revving in my mind? Because we have such false thinking. We have such false thinking. We think that, you know, a wife submitting to a husband means that she has to take verbal abuse and physical abuse. Really? Would you get that from the text? That she's, she's to be kept in the kitchen and pregnant. Where'd you get that from the text? That she, she, she can't have express her, her, her mind. Where'd you get that from the text? That's why it's a good command with a bad reputation. Because we, who are the, supposed to be the heads of the family, are headaches. Cabezón, they would tell us in Spanish. But we, a lot of what you and I suffer... Is because we, we've imposed it on the text because we don't understand that the filling of the Spirit is what drives, what fuels, and it expresses itself in mutual submission, which takes, which takes form and fashion in these different relationships in a particular way. And God is honored when it happens the right way. What can we take with us this morning? Let me leave you with a few questions to ponder. It'll be on the screen there. You rate them from 1 to 10. In your life, are you careful and wise in your behavior? Are you disciplined and discerning in the way you spend your time? Are you actively and correctly seeking to know and do the Father's will? Are you living under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit? Are you deliberately and frequently finding ways to honor and serve others? Rate it. Take a look at it there. Take a good look. So based on what we've been studying, rate it. And once you're ready to rate it, and once you've done it, maybe one jumps, on, jumps up at you. Just That's it. That's the one. That's the one that, that, that just, okay. <sighs> okay. Stay there. Park there. 
part. You got one there? You have to have one there because you're not that good. I'm not that good. You have to park in one of them. Once you've parked in one of them, say amen. Oh, come on. You want me to say it? Once you've parked in one of them, because you know that the Spirit of God is just saying, hey, 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 uh, you really think you're spending the time wisely because you're binging 20 out of 24 hours? You really think? Okay. Once you, when you're stuck with one, when, when you parked on one of them, at least one, okay, let me hear you say amen. amen. All right. Now, with that one in mind, bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the Lord in prayer, and in just a few moments, we'll be singing, be unto your name, and what we'll be singing is that the Lord would glorify himself through us. So as you think about that, as you think about that question that you're answering, what would the Lord have you do? I'm going to ask the praise team to come and prepare to sing and lead us in singing. The rest of us, we pray and we go to the Lord and we ask Him, in light of what we have just studied, how now shall I live? Lord God, lead us through the ministry of your Spirit and through the ministry of your Word. Help us to see what we need to see. Help us to to then do what we need to do. Help us to turn from that which has kept us from, from, from being Spirit-filled, from, from being controlled, governed by Your Spirit. Uh, Lord, You know the many ways we offend You. You know the many ways we short-circuit the work of Your Spirit in our lives. Help us to identify them and to turn from them. Lord God, be with us now, and to You alone be the glory. In Jesus' name and God's people said,